you are listening to Let It Out with me. I'm Katie Delbaut, your host. And this week's episode, I talk to Taro. He is the founder of one of my favorite companies, Four Sigmatic. They make really great mushroom products, and you're going to learn all about that. He also has a new book out that is out now, today, the day this is out. It's called Healing Mushrooms, which you will also hear about Taro and I have such a great conversation. He was in town in New York a couple weeks ago, and I hung out with him in his hotel room drinking LaCroix, talking about everything from family and spirituality to starting a company and being from a different country. He's from Finland and moved to the United States a couple years ago. He lived in New York, now he lives in LA, and he started this company and then ended up moving it to America, which we will talk about. It was a fascinating conversation. It was a meandering conversation. It was a long conversation. So I wanna get to it as quickly as possible. And first, I just wanna give you guys a couple announcements. I wrote this book that came out in 2016 called Let It Out, also the name of this podcast, but the book is called Let It Out, A Journey Through Journaling. If you're new to the podcast, maybe you don't know that. If you've been listening forever, you've heard me talk about it for probably what seems like forever. Anyway, I get a lot of questions about how the book came to be, how I was published with Hay House, which is really my dream publisher. I I love Hay House and I love Louise Hay and everything that they do. And I thought I would tell you guys the story. I put the story of how the book came to be in the afterword of my book, but my editor, when she read through the book, was like, you know what? Nobody ever reads the afterword, and this is a really good story, so you should move it to the introduction. And I'm just going to tell you really quick right now. So I was 22 years old, and I was very into Hay House, and I was very into self-development and personal growth. And one day I was listening to Hay House Radio, and I heard advertised a workshop where they taught you how to write a book proposal. It was a writer's workshop. My mentor and friend Gabrielle Bernstein was speaking there. Chris Carr was speaking there. Past podcast guest Nancy Levin was speaking there. And so was the founder and CEO of Hay House, Reed Tracy. Anyway, I end up going to New York City to go to this workshop where they were going to teach you to write a book proposal, all the different parts of writing a book proposal. And let me tell you, there are a lot of parts. You have to do a competitive analysis and a promotional strategy, and you have to do these things called chapter abstracts, where you write basically what the chapter is going to be about. So you you have to do a lot of work, right? Anyway, they teach you how to do this. And then what I didn't know when I signed up, but what I found out after, There's actually a contest that you have access to if you go to this workshop where you have nine months to complete the proposal, which they taught you how to write, and then you can submit that proposal to Hay House and you can win one of three prizes. So the first prize is a publishing deal with Hay House. The second prize is a amount of a self-publishing package with Balboa Press, which is a division of Hay House. And the third one is a, a lower amount of a 
self-publishing deal with Balboa Press. Anyway, so I was like, all right, that's cool. I, I Maybe I'll submit to this contest. Maybe I won't. We'll see. Cut to three months later. I still don't have an idea. I still haven't started. Four months later, five months later, six months later, I remember I went to my mom and I was like, you know, that contest thing I went to that I was so excited about, I'm going to not do that. I don't have time. And she was like, okay, cool. Like I thought she would be disappointed because she knew how excited I was. She wasn't. No one cared. A week before the contest, I get this idea to write a book on journaling one morning, very early in the morning. And I thought it was impossible because they give you nine months to complete this proposal because like I said, there were a lot of parts and they were very clear on do not submit a half-baked proposal. So you have to have all the parts completed. And also you cannot submit it after the deadline, obviously. So mind you, this was on a Monday. The deadline is on a Friday. And that's a and I had to work during the week, so I would I decided I wanted to do it. So I woke up at like 5 a.m. I would write until about 9. And then at about like 6 p.m. I would start again. I would write until about midnight. I kept going and going and going. And then the last night before it was due, I had most of it done. I had about 90% of it done, but I didn't have two really big parts, the competitive analysis, this promotional strategy part. And it was like 11.50, and I just gave up. And I went to bed, and I was like, you know what? That's okay. Maybe I can make this an ebook. I'll sell it on my website. It'll be great. But I was still pretty disappointed that I wasn't going to be able to submit to this contest because usually, traditionally with publishing, you need an agent to submit a proposal, and I didn't have an agent, wasn't going to be able to get an agent at that time, and I just gave up. I went to sleep and I couldn't sleep. I was laying in bed and I woke up and I realized that Hay House is in California and I was on East Coast time. So I had three more hours. So I got out of bed. I voraciously went to my computer. I typed away at the next little bit. I submitted the proposal and I went to bed with like 10 minutes before it was due. And I didn't find out for a month, but spoiler alert, which you already know, I won. I won the first prize, the publishing deal with Hay House, which is really cool. And I always recommend this Hay House Writers Workshop because I won and I recommended it to my best friend, Semi. She won. Her book is coming out soon. And I want to recommend the Hay House Writers Workshop to you as well. There's a free video training series from the founder and CEO of Hay House, Reed Tracy, and it's called Becoming a Successful Author Online Masterclass. And there are free videos with tips on how to become a published author. The details are in the show notes. Check it out. It's something that really helped me. It's something I always recommend to my friends, and I think you guys might really like it. So check it out. The link is in the show notes. And also that book I was telling you about, my book, Let It Out. It's available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, wherever you buy books. And right now, just for the month of October, for some reason, Hay House is doing a promotion on my ebook. So it's $1.99 for all of October. So that's less than $2 if you want to check out the ebook. $1.99, the link is in the show notes. All right, sorry that was kind of a long story. And I still want to talk about today's sponsors before we get to the episode with Tarot. We have a brand new sponsor today, you guys, and I cannot stop smiling right now about this. I have this really great friend who I serendipitously met about 
five years ago almost. Her name is Elizabeth. She actually grew up in the same town that I grew up in, East Lansing, Michigan. And now we both live on the East Coast and we've kept in touch over the years. We connected in a really serendipitous way. She's going to do the podcast eventually and we'll tell the story then. But right now she has this company that she founded called Quarter Lane. And It is amazing. It's a quarterly book subscription service that brings the most celebrated books of the season to your doorstep. It's a literary box that speaks to your soul each season. It elevates the print book medium to the luxury status that it deserves. And you know what? It's different than any other subscription service because Elizabeth curates it. And it's beautiful. It is so beautiful. As a member of the Quarter Lane community, you'll receive early access to the most anticipated books of the season, exclusive benefits, specialty literary perks. And here's the best part. Elizabeth's background is in contemporary art. So each season, she invites an artist to create a limited edition print for each box, combining her two passions, literature and visual art. You guys, check this out, and she is giving us, you, as a listener of Let It Out, 25% off of your first collection or your first subscription. So use the code LETITOUT25, that's LETITOUT25 for 25% off. Again, that's quarterlanebooks.com, www.quarterlanebooks.com. Let it out 25 at checkout for 25% off your order. The links to this will be in the show notes. And if you have any questions at all, email me. I am so grateful that Quarter Lane is a sponsor. I love Elizabeth. I love her company. And I'm so excited and happy and proud of her as a friend. And I'm so excited that I get to offer this to you with a discount. Also, another friend of mine has a great company. Franklin and Whitman, my favorite skincare company. I just put their skin serum, their face serum on my face right before I recorded this and it feels amazing. I love their body oil. I love all of their products. Their face masks in particular are fantastic. They use a superfood as the first ingredient in every one of their products and everything is cruelty-free and they donate a percentage of all of their earnings to animal rescue they're great i love them and i think you should check them out too if you haven't already feel free to use the code katie at checkout for 20 percent off your order that's katie k-a-t-i-e for 20 percent off your franklin and whitman order and that's any order that you do let me know if you want product recommendations or any questions on how i use their products i would love to tell you guys And Chris, the founder of the company, has been on the podcast. If you want to check out that episode, we'll put it in the show notes as well. All right, that was a mouthful, but a lot of really good stuff. Now let's finally get to the very long, wonderful episode with my friend Taro, founder of Four Sigmatic, author of the new book, Healing Mushrooms. Thank you again so much for doing this. I was trying to think on the walk over here, about when we connected, but it was definitely like either 2012 or early 2013. And I remember this lovely package came to my apartment (laughs) and I don't even remember how we connected, but I didn't really know what mushrooms were and I didn't even know how to use them. I remember the powders coming and they were from Finland and I didn't know, or Sweden, I think. 
Yeah. And I didn't really know what they were, but I was so excited because it was the first time a brand had ever sent me something. So and I was you so were the excited. first person we ever sent anything to, probably. <laughs> probably. That, uh, especially in the U.S. Yeah. Like, and I th- you had a friend. Philippa. Philippa. I think that's how... Uh, oh, that th- that's how you heard about us. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. And she heard through um, the Swedish chef, like a raw food chef. Anyway, their friend. Such a small world. It, I love small worlds. Um, anyway, yeah. So I, I forgot to put the backup on. We talked about the backup and then I didn't, didn't do it. <laughs> um, here we go. So, yeah, it's just so funny how you we were saying right when you when we found each other that you meet people on the internet and then your friends on the internet for years and then you've been friends or I, I've seen you with so many people that we have common overlapping mm-hmm. friends with over the years and then now we finally get to meet so this is, yeah, this like is my favorite well part overdue for sure yeah and uh and I think in general I think it's funny how you feel like you already know them even though you haven't met them it's that's the power of social media and internet I yeah. guess because we all are, we already are all connected, but I yeah. think it's kind of nice to hit the ground running with a friendship of like, we obviously have common friends, we obviously have common interests, like I know we're going to get along, yeah. even though we haven't met in person. And, totally. Um, so I was thinking about this and I was like, I'm going to say this in the intro when I, re- I record the intros after, but I was like, you, tarot, and mushrooms, there's so much division in the world right now, and mm. even in all like our wellnessy world, but I feel like mushrooms and you are like the thing that everyone can agree on paleo vegan like Mm. wherever it's this beautiful thing that like brings so many people together and anyway i just love that oh thank you well i hope hopefully that's the case like we have a few sayings in with our team and one is that we always try to be inclusive not exclusive yeah because unfortunately sometimes the health and wellness industry is its own worst enemy yeah it's not the monsanto or it's not like the things that generally people consider as bad that we fight against we fight against each other on like nitpicking versus focusing on stuff that we can agree on um so i don't think anybody has ever said that dark leafy greens are bad right (laughs) so instead we focus on the stuff that we differ on um so if that's the case that you've seen it, I'm very happy because yeah. like, that's what we always say. It's inclusive, not exclusive. There's so many different ways I want that we could go, but let's start with you. So you're in New York for a little bit now, but you used to live here, right? Yeah, I was here pretty much two years and uh, now in L.A. And I'm still here, depending on the season, about a week, a month. Now mm-hmm. I love fall. New York City fall is great. Obviously, there's great foraging as well, but just the weather is perfect. Yesterday, yeah. I walked in jeans and t-shirt, like almost from like midtown to downtown. I didn't get sweaty, and it yeah. was still sunny. So I can't. That's like the best weather. That's the thing about here that I love the most of anything of living here so far is walking. Oh, totally. Like and as a European, you miss that. I live on the west side of LA, which is one of the areas, only areas where you can really walk. So. Mm-hmm. I really need that. I need to be in a place where I can walk. I feel not great if I can't go to the grocery store walking. So New York City is obviously one of the best. But as a European, that's what I miss about Europe is you can just walk everywhere. Yeah. 
And that's the thing too, like going on a walk is great, but it's really nice when it's worked into your day of like, I'm walking here, I'm walking to the store. Yep. It's just part of it. So you've lived in a bunch of cities, or you've traveled to a bunch of cities, lived in a bunch of cities, but wait, before we go into that, you said something about New York specifically that I wrote down in my notes I just saw that really hit me hard and stuck with me that when I was listening yesterday, you said how they say, you know, you can, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Yeah. But you were saying that's actually kind of the opposite. And I feel like I relate to that so much that it's, it, you, we kind of get spoiled here of having everything yep. at your fingertips and the walking piece and everything that now moving somewhere else where I don't have a juice press on every corner or whatever seems off, you know? Totally. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So I guess, I don't know, was it Frank Sinatra, the first one or whoever made yeah. it, but I think he made it famous is that if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And I think it's true to the point that like the work pace, both the intensity and the hours here are probably on the top of the list. I mean, you could say that Seoul or Tokyo will have even a higher work work amounts, but it's it's pretty pretty intense how much people work here. So from a that point of view I think it's true but all the other things in life I don't I think it's the opposite all my friends who kind of grew grown up in New York they struggle when they move somewhere they try moving to Midwest in a small town and grocery stores or even in other countries when when I lived in Paris I think the post office closed at 1 or 2 p.m. and in New York City you get used to the fact that it's anything is 24 hours and and if you can't get stuff you get like frustrated it's also um just the pace of life is so unique here that it's hard to transition to many other places. But yeah, but yeah that's my thought on What was your community. favorite part of living here other than walking? Uh, part of the city? Yeah. I love uh, Washington Square Park because there's all these performers. I just love yeah. performers in New York City. I feel like even the homeless people begging on a subway yeah. put on a show. I just had like a quartet of the subway <laughs> on the way over here. So I love that. Uh, obviously Prospect Park, Central Park, those are kind of my safe havens. And then I have a little quirky little spots around the city that I I love uh, that are kind of my little like safe haven. Yeah, secret yeah, spots. But uh, and obviously like favorite cafes and and stores and and restaurants and you know all that stuff but um yeah generally i like um i think that's like the best area is that like west village greenwich village east village that strip and then you have so many cool spots there in in a small area so i love it over there too i was just um i've been asking everyone that comes on the podcast a little bit about new york as I've just been living here. Discovering, and did yeah. you know Ruby Warrington? No, I don't. She did the podcast a couple of weeks ago. She told me that there's this energy in New York that she really feels, and she learned recently that New York is actually built on a crystal. Yep. So, did you know that too? No, no. I, I just heard another story on New York City, but go ahead. Really? No, that's it. That's oh, the okay. Thing. I, just I heard that, because you said energy, They. I just heard that they've installed an insane amount of... Um, um, like cell phone and internet towers in top of buildings so there's like the emfs have gone through the roof in the last like year or two or something like that yeah yeah but i love i love how you think a lot better that you start from the fact that it's yeah. in a crystal well, it's but it's a crystal. but it's, it's in sacred land is in manhattan even uh native american 
uh, language of some like rolling hills or something like that oh, that cool. I think relates to that or something but so why did you originally was New York the first place you came to in the states yes so it was a combination of it's mostly practical I actually didn't want to move here first uh, mm-hmm. all my friends love New York and I was like oh, I'm more of a California kind of a guy yeah. but uh um we had team so we started so I started a company called Four Sigmatic and we started in Europe and in 2012 and 2014 we moved the business here and I guess we already connected in 20 I think end of 2012 probably yeah. and and you were literally the first person we ever probably sent products in the US I'm very honored and we actually launched the company like 2015 so that was like two two and a half years after we had already launched con- the company in America correct and but we still had team in Finland so it was hard to go to the west coast in the beginning as the time oh, time difference right. is 10 hours even so that was one reason and then as you're setting up a business new york is such a hub it's like so easy to read domicile so like lawyers and warehouses like all those like boring but vital important things you have yeah. to get done it was easy here and uh, that's why i ended up here for a while and i I thought I'll stay uh, six months, and then I met a girl, my ex-girlfriend, and then it was longer, and you know, and then now I live in LA. But New York still like it won me in certain ways, but yeah. it's kind of it's also pretty hard to live here, right? Depending on the season and how much nature can you get. Yeah, I think there's there's an ambition here that I'm seeing with people that it's really hard to, like you said, you know, the the seasons and it's expensive here you're all kind of schlepping and figuring out everything together and trying to navigate yeah. the subway and not get hit by a car or a bike and still you know connect with each other but the thing I think I love most about it is you can kind of see that we're all connected you can kind of feel that we're all connected because mm. we're all trying to do this thing together which is just exist as a person in New York yeah you you bond with other people through struggle really well yeah. I saw that we have I grew up in Finland and we have to go to the army mm. and you go through all kinds of BS and you make your, some of your best friends there just because like going through that BS together makes yeah. you come together and I have few friends when they were like 16 17 18 their first job was to work in a McDonald's or something like like pretty horrible in general right. and they say they still have some of their best friends from totally. there because they bonded over bad shifts and horrible yeah. customers and horrible food and they were like all just together so they became a family yeah. you know i mean i relate to that so much of like a terrible class and you bond over like how bad the professor was or a yeah. terrible moment it's interesting i i kind of wish it was the opposite it seems like a not a positive thing but i guess sometimes things like that but when Go you're struggling, something. you kind of support each other. And, yeah. And I guess compassion goes up when things are bad. Yeah. You know, I, I guess so. I assume that. But I've yeah. seen that a lot. Yeah, that so. makes sense. Okay, I want to go back. So you, you're in Finland and you start this business. You have this idea for this business. But before, let's zoom the lens even back before that. So you grew up in Finland. And I think I heard that where you guys are people go to summer cottages and really live off the land and maybe don't even have running water. So is that kind of how you first got into foraging? And, and Well, that's the normal case for, um, I guess, Scandinavians in general. You go to cottages during the summer. Cool. And, and it's 24 hours of sunlight and you go to a 
a hut or a cottage and I mean some people have really modern ones but generally speaking they're pretty basic and uh, my case was a little different because I grew up on a farm so for me it was not two months of the summer it was 12 months of the year so um so we've had this farm for at least 13 generations so cool and so I grew up there so that was my mom taking me foraging and then my great great granddad started a land environmental school this like foraging slash ecological school uh kind of like waldorf school meets steiner yeah and uh i went to that as well so those that's how i got into it and we would actually rent cottages to other people families who couldn't afford one they could still rent it out during the summer for a short while so um but that's that's part of the culture for sure is is going to the cottages and um living off the land to a certain extent like the foraging or having a little like garden mini garden and then fishing and things like that so it was built into your growing up your childhood oh for sure yeah yeah and growing up on a farm is 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 a lot of work so it's definitely like did you have brothers and sisters i have an older brother yeah older brother so did you you guys went to school were you homeschooled yeah. or no we went to this so this school oh, un, this unlike school. steiner and i guess unlike waldorf followed the curriculum of a normal school okay. but just added extra stuff that was related to the nature and very cool like we built nests for owls and yeah and had a little garden and ate That's organic so cool. food and whatnot but uh yeah he's my, so my brother's older so that allows me to gallivant around the world so you know he's he's you know the the guy in charge for the farm uh i mean my dad is still doing a lot because he's in good shape and he loves it it's his passion for sure but so yeah so he's older and the oldest according to the kind of old rules gets the gets to run the farm but it's yeah we're excited how often do you get back there um i try to go twice a year um but extended times versus like short trips. Mm-hmm. So I try to go in like January and, and June. Those are kind of my favorites. And then uh, my family visits me one or two times a year. So I kind of see quarterly. Yeah. <laughs> quarterly family meetings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's the cult? Which what are some of like the main cultural differences between Finland and the states? Having been here for so long. Oh, so many. Um, Though I would say probably Scandinavians are closer to certain states than other states. So mm-hmm. um, I would say probably like Michigan, like kind of what we talked about. There's there's big Scandinavian communities within Michigan and Wisconsin and like and Canadian, just Canadians in general or northern parts of the U.S. are a little yeah. bit closer to the Scandinavian cultures. Maybe the weather thing. Right. But um, differences is is extra humble, generally speaking don't talk much like it just like stick to yourself um try to always like and i think this is actually not a great thing but like scandinavian generally like play themselves down a bit they don't have the confidence um of the, the british i heard are kind of that way but they do it in like a humorous kind of yeah, yeah dark way yeah this is just like but um i mean scandinavians go through pretty good educational system Mm -hmm. so i think that's one one of the first things that depends who do you talk to u.s it's kind of here and there there's great schools and then there's not so great Mm -hmm. schools and you know just that maybe i mean such a stereotype awareness of the world like knowing what's the 
I don't know, capital of Australia or capital of Turkey or, yeah. um, you know, things like that. I've noticed that's a difference. As people, yeah, Finnish people are very reserved and quiet and uh, deep thinkers and they worry a lot. And, uh, and so that's at least the difference. But there's so many. And travel is more encouraged. In well, I think any small country you're... Uh, yeah. When you come from a small country, especially if if your language is not English, you're you realize early on that nobody cares for a small language in a small country. So you have two choices either. Mm-hmm. Like you have to kind of open yourself up. For me to graduate, I had to study six languages. So that's already like forcing wow. you to think. Because even if you know the same word in another language, it, you have to kind of get to their mindset, like how certain expressions are made. Right. Like I feel like my personality does change depending on the language I speak, it's which is so really perplexing. You're like, yeah. why am I a different person when I speak this language versus yeah. this language? Like some languages are more upbeat, some are more serious. Um, but yeah, that's. So how many languages do you speak? Well, my mom would say zero because she's been giving me shit for uh, not even speaking Finnish lately. You know, it's like broken Finnish. And then my American friends definitely tease me for certain words I make. Um, I mean, what is the level of language? I mean, I guess... More than me. More than everyone (laughs) in America. (laughs) No, there's some really good people here with languages. But I guess generally there's not a lot of focus on languages. Yeah. And then there's focus on other things. Um, Performance, art, sports. I feel like Americans take sports and arts pretty seriously sometimes. Some of them. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you had to go to the army. Was that after university or high school? You can do it before. Um, It's not exactly the same schooling system. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. like match up exactly like high school. But yes, you would do it generally before high school, uh, after high school, before college, university. So uh, mandatory for men, um, voluntary for women. You have to stay a minimum six months at first, up to a year, like year if you become an officer. So I did that. I'm like a sergeant in the Air Force. And then you go back to refresher trainings. So um, the country that would have a similar system is Switzerland. So they'd kind of do the same thing. So you go for a while first. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to go unless you have a very specific health issue why you can't. And then you go back every some years. Like right now, our as we're recording this, our operations manager, Rasmus, is, is somewhere on in the sea <laughs> with the army practicing on how to use these machinery and boats and whatnot. Wow. And uh, just to know that <clears throat> Finland only has defense forces or not. I believe even constitutionally we're not allowed to attack anyone. We can only oh, defend. That's really cool. That's great. What was that experience like? You it's pretty you intense. Your greatest friends. Yeah, but it's still like pretty intense. Like it's it's mostly BS. Like you know, you run. You're always in a hurry. You run somewhere in a group, total hurry. You build a con- horrible sweat, and then once you get there, you wait for two hours in the cold, and the sweat dries. Like that's what I remember oh my of God. it. Eating in a rush, uh, doing push-ups, and then it depends what you do. Uh, I was lucky enough that I was chosen as this, like, in this special thing at the Air Force, working with these F-18 fighter jets. So I actually like my second half of my thing was like pretty easy. So I was I can say that I went through the toughest commando training. I I had like four months of toughness, but like not twelve. So I think like 
in general you can you can do anything for 12 months like it's it's not do you feel like you learned anything or like got any skills from that experience that you use in your life now for sure no I think when you challenge yourself with anything let's say you want to pick up archery yeah or you want to start um watercolor painting and but especially if something physically or intellectually extremely challenging like it's not just like oh i'll do a little bit of this but it needs like there's pressure from external party and then it's really there's a steep learning curve i think then you really find stuff from within yourself as well yeah so um, I think a common example what people could relate to is probably like for an average person like running a marathon right. like training for three to six months then running it the pain the discipline and especially if there's a external pressure like that's kind of a so you always learn stuff um, since I was a sergeant I had to lead people but you're 18 19 and you're leading other 18 19 year olds or whatever and and so you're you you've given this responsibility but you're all in the same situation so right. like how can you motivate people and lead them who are in kind of your peers, peers almost right. yeah that's pretty that was a thing I learned um, I guess then also like just managing your emotions when you haven't slept or eaten or you're like physically drained like how to control and like um, manage yeah, that that's a lot of- and then there's like more practical skills but I had been uh, 10 plus years in the Boy Scout, so like making fire, putting in a tent, um, survival skills in, in the snow or something like that was not new to me, but like it's good to practice them, so I guess that as well. And then stupid stuff like shooting a cannon or <laughs> a machine gun yeah, or whatever. Like, really... I'm not, I'm not <laughs> pumped about that at all, but I mean... Isn't helpful today? <laughs> no, but you learn how to do it, but yeah. I'm not like excited like I definitely don't need to touch a gun again in my life but if I do have to I know how to do it so (laughs) so for whatever's that worth that's worth so so you said that someone from your team is in the army right now so the business is still operating in Finland no we're we're now a U.S. company but we have um, a subsidiary in in Europe as well so we we still sell to quite a few many countries and and Roughly, like, now one-fourth of the team is in Finland and three-quarters are in the U.S., but we still have a couple um, really important team members in, yeah. in New Finland as well. So Yeah. So you're in the Army, you do that, but you said you did that between university and high school? Yeah. And so then after that... You can do it after as well, but you don't want to get there when you're 28 and be... With a bunch of 18 years. <laughs> yeah, it might not be the most... I mean, I knew people who did that, but it might not be the most yeah, enjoyable experience. Yeah. I know people do. Yeah. So you you do that, then you go to university. Do you study business? Was foraging still part of your life at that point? So when I had you... already dropped out, or kind of dropped out of high school, mm-hmm. and then went to work in a factory to move out and worked in a, a paper factory. But to do that, I had to study chemistry. So my first degree was in chemistry. Oh, wow. And then I went to, at the end, I went to a night school and finished our high school. So I had high school, I'd been working full time, and I had a degree in chemistry. Wow. I had no free time at all. Yeah. And, uh, um, Why did you want to do that? Why did you want to? I just wanted to um, kind of self-sufficient. I just wanted to, uh, I was 15 or 16 when I made the decision, and, and I just wanted to, like, stand my own. That's also very Nordic. Like, mm. 
our family is super close and it, but still everybody feels like when you're 18 19 you move out interesting and you take care of yourself yeah um it's a cultural thing but uh so already i did that and then i got I had two choices become basically like a chiropractor and um because i was always interested at that point i was already like work i started working with with nutrition with some pro athletes and what got you into that i just through my mom since i was like as young as i remember my mom so taught physiology and anatomy so i'd already been learning about muscles and joints and bones and their latin names and and how it works and then obviously going to this environmental school so like how foods yeah. in some high level affects our body right. like i was very familiar with already macro and micronutrients at that point you know um not yet into superfoods and adaptogens and mushrooms or, or functional mushrooms it was just like culinary mushrooms but and our so i was like very fascinated by just human performance and so your mom what did your mom do that she taught you all that she was a teacher she taught physiology and anatomy to uh nurses oh cool and uh went to her her classes from when i was i don't know how young i was so Wow. I've gone through her education as well a few times. But um so that was that or I wanted to travel, so I went to an international school. So actually Finland offers free education for everybody and I don't know how long this will last, but as long as it's been. So like you could move to Finland and you didn't you don't have to take student debt in the US. You can study in like, you know, comparably top university in, in the world in English and for free. Wait, wait, wait. So, so anyone can Anyone from Finland can go to another school and the No, anybody in the world. So I could go to Finland. Correct. And would I have to become a citizen? No. And I could... That's amazing. Free education. How does not everyone do this? Well, a lot of people do. It's a little bit of, I guess, a loophole because, like, people are not focused on it. I feel like, especially in the U.S., there's such a paradigm on on getting a status of a school, mm-hmm. um, graduating... From a certain school over learning right totally and so it's like it doesn't matter if you didn't learn anything as long as you went to an ivy league school exactly. and you graduated yeah. or another prominent local university so right. anyway but i went to this international school that had people from depending on the year i don't know 40 to 60 countries and there was americans there as well and the funny part is that um Finland and Sweden and Norway and those are like such small countries mm-hmm. so there's only a few really good universities and then let's say you study at like Harvard or Yale a lot of those kids want to go to Sweden ex- exchange students and and but they pay Harvard 50 intuition per semester yeah. what crazy amounts yeah. right so Harvard is not going to give up on that fee because they want the money right. so they say it's like okay how about uh, we keep the 50 grand, but we send you to this school in Scandinavia and they send us one student for free. So they do like one-to-one swap. Uh-huh. So then you have all these uh, dope exchange programs and you can go to some of the best schools in the world for free. Wow. Like one of my friends went to study in like Science Po in Paris, which is one of the biggest elite schools in France as an exchange student cool. from an average Finnish university. But then again, like, Finnish universities all are, like, high quality. Like, there's none of them are, like, bad. Wow. Um, 
so like you could come as an American and every country you could come as an American study for free and then go back to to your home country as an exchange student oh my God. you could come here and for free so wow. and then Finnish students also get an allowance so basically it's like I call it a salary to go to school so like you get a besides getting free education the government pays you yeah. money wow so you went to school. So I and then I went to an international school, studied English, and then uh, pretty much on first year dropped out again. Seems to be, uh, I just <laughs> didn't think I was learning enough. Yeah. So I wanted to learn about sales. I already started a couple businesses. I tried to bring custom suits and linens, like bed sheets from Vietnam before the whole Asia thing was a thing. And uh, me and my friends lost some money, got stuck in the customs and got the wrong sizes and oh, we've never been to Vietnam when we started it we, I, I think we have more excitement than anything else and then and the first year of college me and my college friend found like a rare mushroom growing in Finland and we won this innovation award from the government you guys were just out foraging one day and no it's actually mushroom? it's kind of a funnier story it was almost like reverse engineered um, my friend and me grew up in neighboring towns but they have, we have the same ecosystem and the same ecosystem has is is exactly in one island in Japan called Hokkaido, which is then kind of a northern main island. Uh-huh. And uh, was this that was how did you know that was that like a known thing growing up that they had no, the same in Finland? We studied odd things, it's you know. So cool. <laughs> it's so, I, guess. I remember maybe I'll just get an anecdote without yeah. spending too much on time on it because I also feel like uh, we will probably want to talk about health stuff as well at one yeah. point. But uh, I remember in elementary school. We, we ate organic food and then we had our own chef who would cook us, right? And uh, is this because of the special school you went to, or is this well, it can really be any school, any smaller school would have that. Bigger school would have to have like a little more industrial, right? Because just the amount of people, right? right, right. But um, also, the organic food cool. is cool, co- it's just blowing my mind. <laughs> so, but we're all our kids are always starving. I was always starving, right. I was always hungry, yeah. I'm and, like, now, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like starving and it's like about to get lunchtime and the teachers hate it when kids rushed like so they had to be like polite uh-huh. like Scandinavia has some resemblance actually to Japan that like we're like really peaceful whatever uh-huh. so the the rule was that the teacher would ask questions and then if you would know the answer you could go and get food okay so it would be like okay what is the highest mountain in the world or like how high is Mount Everest or so you whatever. Were like good with your facts because you were hungry. No, well I was not at first, but I was motivated <laughs> to learn all this stuff. Anyway, long story short, um, Scandinavian societies like support entrepreneurship, education. One of the reasons why you get money to go to school is that you become a better citizen. Mm-hmm. So after the war, so Finland was like six hundred plus years part of Sweden and not an independent country, and then like hundred years part of Russia. And once we became independent, the kind of the founding fathers, you know, okay. of Finland, yeah, they uh, they said, okay, every citizen should be smart, so they can never be like a coop or like oh. you can like. Well, that was the philosophy. So yeah. said, like, how do we achieve it? Is one of the thoughts was that okay, everybody gets this base education. So you have to study until you're seventeen. So you have to go to school until that age, and. Um, and most people go much, much further. And um, and just supports that people think better. So then the, they keep the politicians honest, I guess. That's the philosophy. 
but they also support like entrepreneurship and Finland has like one of the best social systems in a way like support which is one of my critiques to Finland and Scandinavian societies that why isn't there more entrepreneurs because there's such a safety net like you cannot fail like there's no homeless people if you're homeless the government will give you money to get an apartment like it's impossible to be pretty much homeless in Finland as a like a citizen so so why don't you why don't people more people take risks because Finland Finnish people are very risk averse and um, that's so interesting but point being is like they have this innovation stuff and we want it but we were not passionate about it because it was a culinary mushroom it was like served in Michelin star restaurants and we kind of gave it to a, a university and the last time I heard they still run it it's still a thing but that was not for me and I just wanted to like travel the world and live in different countries yeah. and learn I was still like working with individuals on nutrition so the, I guess the last 14-ish years I've been working with athletes and models on nutrition but I just wanted to see the world and travel from and, like a coaching perspective yeah just nutrition basically and then I would through nutrition there's some lifestyle stuff like sleep um, right. hacks and like like so that's what you were doing while you were traveling the world and going. Yeah, and then States? to pay mo- to get actual money, like actual like legit money, I did. Uh, I worked as a management consultant for a while, analyzing data. So just crunching numbers, just math, and just crunching numbers for big public listed companies for their strategy stuff, while being in Bali or building somewhere. And that's then great. I worked for a university in Canada briefly, and then I worked for a large tech company in Switzerland. And so, so this is all pre Four Sigmatic. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Okay, so then when did you know that throughout this and throughout your time with working with people with nutrition, yeah. was mushroom still something that you focused on with them? And did you see a need in the market? I think that's one of the things people don't know because everybody like knows me as the mushroom guy, the fun yeah. guy, whatever, is that I, I still today don't think that mushrooms are like a cure-all. Like I don't think they're like a solve to all the world's problems. Right. I think they're massively underrated, and I think just generally, the fungi kingdom and the bacterial kingdom has been underrated in health. Mm-hmm. I'm so I'm so happy now to see fermented foods being trendy, and same way as now mushrooms are gaining traction. Yeah, I so that. I think they're highly underrated, and I think they can solve and help a lot of common problems from stress to sleep to brain power. But they're not like my sole focus. Like I'm not that guy who's gonna say like, oh, this is the one thing you need. That's great. Um, it's 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 like it's like a s- smart strategy, but it doesn't mean that it's like everything. And so, no, it was not my sole focus. Though uh, increasingly, the more I've read about mushrooms, the more fascinated I am by them. So, and then it's a combination of few things. I had a f- I have a friend Yako, and and he was like one of the first people I kind of like who used internet and like social media, YouTube, like to get the word out on some of these more like advanced stuff. Like mm-hmm. now he runs a biohacker summit. I think it's one of the biggest, it's the biggest biohacker summit in Europe. And I think it's one of the best in the world. And um, uh, it's London, Stockholm, they change locations, but it's like this big biohacker summit. And he was sharing this information online and it was like information that was not before available. Like we would be downloading random eBooks by, I don't know, like David Wolf or something like <laughs> back in the day for some like more advanced stuff like that we were like hungry of like mm-hmm. the more uh, more experimental stuff and ordering from random web stores in Germany or like South America like ingredients so like just seeing how kind of the web 2.0 I guess blogging 
kind of yeah. ch- uh, changing. This is like, I guess podcast did exist, but not really. Yeah. I think podcast has really blown up in the last two to three years. For sure. But blocking was like a channel. And this was also kind of pre-Instagram, but Facebook was a thing. So mm-hmm. on Facebook and blogging, I was like, wow, actually a lot of this information that I knew or it was hard to get, but now there's a channel to share it. And at the same time, another friend of mine who we've been like doing like all kinds of superfood recipes moved to um, to the expo in Shanghai. So this is... T- 2010 20 2009 whatever and he moved there to work at the expo and found a couple sources for pine pollen and one of our passions was pine pollen when nobody was selling pine pollen we're like this is the most underrated foods in the world and i'm by the way a huge believer in trees and the healing power of trees and i think that's why a lot of these mushrooms as well have healing powers because they grow on trees and not the ground so a lot of people think mushrooms grow on the ground and they do but there's also a lot of the pretty much all the best mushrooms grow correct grow on trees and they actually get the life force of the tree and life force is not in this case just a new age woo thing but also like nutrients like betulinic acid for chaga or whatever yeah and so he found the source like oh it's it's here we got the wild pine pollen and and we're thinking like okay there's all these products that don't exist yet we should start a company and then as we're launching the company which was called something totally totally different uh, Sir Thrival, Daniel Vital is yeah. brought in a pine pollen. We're like, well, uh, probably there's space in the market for two pine pollen companies, but we never want to bring out something that already exists. We wanted to create mm-hmm. products that don't exist that we want to use. Okay. So then we pivoted into back to our other thing was with mushrooms, which was like cordyceps and reishi and, and chaga. Really saw a need in the market. That as well, because like I was buying capsules from iHerb.com. Uh, of mushroom them. science and opening them on a Vitamix it was annoying to open like 10 yeah. capsules every day totally. and also I feel like like there was some brands that were doing well but like you still want to have a full formulation a lot of people don't know how to formulate so if I would tell people my friends how to use mushrooms I had to like teach them how to formulate with them because the flavor is so how bitter how do you know how to formulate with them was this something that was intuitive to you because of your years of foraging and boy scouts like where did you come into knowing these formulations is something well, you taught yourself well yes partly as a kid cooking with my mom mm-hmm. partly reading books and partly experimenting and just as a disclaimer even though I've been formulating for a long long time I think I'm still have like it's never ends and I think especially w- what I've learned the last five years is not the health stuff I feel like I got the health like how to formulate from a healthy formulation point of view correct but the flavor, like I think that's just the lifelong educational process. Yeah. So that's why I've been enjoying spending a lot of time in the last few years with chefs and learning Very like cool. how to really build using their knowledge on flavor combination and my knowledge on nutrition mm-hmm. and like how do you make something that is tastes good but is also nutritious. Yeah. So um, I guess the last five years I've been mostly focused on just the flavor part. Yeah. And then before that I was mostly just focused on building like a main herb and a supporting herb and living in China also helped me uh, like roughly three years like just understanding how they did it and also looking at our family friend is probably the most famous herbalist in the Nordic countries so you know I was in the Boy Scouts with um, with her children and like just learning through that as well like just the basic so when you say China, so this is something popularized already in China? Well, not quite, but in, in, in TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, you mm-hmm. have these, like if you go into a, 
um, acupuncturist or you go to a traditional Chinese medicine totally. doctor, they look at your tongue, they yeah. look at your pulse, they look at your right. eyes, and then they say like, oh, this and this, and they make you this what seems like a tea. They put you these bags and they put leaves right. and roots and stuff, and then you boil it and you drink it. Yeah. Usually really bitter and gnarly, but it helps with whatever liver, it's cooling or warming or whatever your body is. And they would have a way of how they would formulate for different organs, different meridians, um, different elements. There's five elements. Um, Interesting. And I would learn about like the elements and uh, how to formulate for those. And so that's, I guess, like from the systems I drew most inspiration besides the Finnish, Scandinavian, Nordic model is, is probably the Chinese. And that was just purely because there was so much information yeah. available followed by by Ayurveda maybe but I think where I'm most fascinated is the Amazonian and the Siberian but there is not as much information about those but so the Russian system is partly similar to the Finnish and Scandinavian system so there was like some learning points but I feel like I would want to learn more about the Amazonian just herbalism but they didn't they have not documented that well so you have to really go there and spend there like a year before they let you in on their secrets but yeah. Maybe you can do that someday. One day. So okay. So I want to land the plane about. I want to sure. <laughs> I want to land the plane about the business. So where you're, it's 2012. You and your friend just you see Daniel Vitalis has got pine pollen. On so <laughs> yeah. you're like, we're gonna go with mushrooms. So you launch a couple. I remember that packaging. It actually showed up. I meant to send this to you, but it showed up on you know that app Time Hop that shows you like oh wow years ago. Yeah. It showed up next year when it shows up. I'll show you. I want to create a mushroom. I want to create post of I, like the old packaging. I want to create. I already told that team a mushroom museum, which has all these like photos from from the early days. Because yeah. like I think the last year especially our company has blown up in the U.S. so it much has. and people really think like oh, we just started. But right. People don't know we sold blenders. For like a solid year. No way. <laughs> yeah, we had our own Vitamix called Gizmo. There's all kinds of stuff we did as we were learning like what works. But the one that was stagnant is these packets. The design has changed many times, but we had yeah. packets with mushrooms. And then, uh, so yeah, and uh, so that was like what okay, we started. Okay, so, so you start in Finland. I want to know you really saw the needs of Americans with how you transition the products once you got here but why did you want to move to the business to LA well it's just that always the goal impact like that's I mean there's like small other reasons but it's really impact it's like same reason why we didn't want to start a competing company with Sir Thrival was that we wanted to change the world for the better so doing more of the same while could have an incremental five ten percent whatever change we wanted to like do something nobody's ever done to yeah. create like a two, three, five x difference in people's health, and uh, and honestly, like we realized pretty quickly that even though America is, you know, um, if it's five percent of the world's population or something like, even though it by itself is, I think, the third most populated country in the world. There's still 95% of the other world that we could focus on. Yeah. And But that being said, the one thing that the U.S. have is this incredible cultural power. Mm. Like it's literally, in a way, its own trendsetter. And, um, and it's also a place where you probably need the most help with nutrition and health. Yeah. Like the, they spend least on food from your... Um, from your um, 
salary comparably and the most on like pharmaceuticals and there's a lot, a lot of stuff that are not ideal in the US for health right. but it's also like a huge cultural power so what we've now even seen is that once we've worked with educating the US consumers the rest of the world kind of follows mm, that Would makes you, sense we take, I take for granted being someone that grew up in America and yeah. from America so when you moved the company here from what I remember, the packets that I had, like you said, you changed the packaging. And then I think you, I heard you speak about this on another podcast, but you were using them primarily as teas, but then when you got here, you decided to mix them with coffee. Can you talk about how you decided Yeah, and that's that? actually, um, happy to share that story, but that's also really relevant on anybody's health. I'm just finding ways how, what's the easiest way you can upgrade or improve your health versus focusing on the optimal or the most so we sold mushroom teas and Europeans are big on tea and there's a habit of tea they don't actually have tea leaves but they were like the purest possible way um, and we're like oh this is the way to go and we came to the US and realized that people don't really have a tea ritual nobody has like an afternoon afternoon right. tea and then people also didn't really understand quality of tea they didn't know what's an oolong or puar or whatever like or what's kind of a good tea or what's a bad tea um, but we saw that everybody had a coffee cup like you're running around New York City or anywhere actually and you have a coffee and Starbucks and all this stuff and what we noticed that um, even if you don't live in an affluent area in Chelsea Manhattan or whatever you've had bad coffee like if live anywhere in the US you've had a bad cup of coffee you've had the jitters you've had the stomach burn the heartburn and you've had those issues but you you might think all tea is equated equal so it's just a cultural thing and also um, it also helped us after that because like a lot of the mushrooms the healthy mushrooms and herbs are really bitter and a lot of people don't like bitters like yeah. we've kind of taught ourselves away from bitter one extra sweet anything and, but the two bitters that people are comfortable with tends to be chocolate and coffee. So just using the hot cocoa and coffee platforms, we've been able to get more people to try the mushrooms. And then they feel the benefits, and then they're more comfortable in yeah. using them on a, on a regular basis. So to me, tonics are the most cozy, lovely, happy thing to me in the world. Yeah. Did you grow up having tonics? How did that become and I wish that there were there are four sigmatic tonic bars as prevalent as Starbucks on the street and I could go in and, and get a tonic even if it yeah. was a million dollars but or hopefully we would drive the cost down by mm -hmm. voting with our dollar to have them but anyway is that something that was never something that I grew up having like you said everyone has coffee tea maybe people know about but tonics was something I learned about once I got kind of into this sort of thing well I, I would just expand people's awareness on a, on a tonic they, basically coffee can be a herbal it's a herbal infusion it's a herbal brew mm -hmm. um, it's just the fact that normally in the herbal formulation that we refer to it's it's almost never a single ingredient thing right. so if you look at any indigenous culture how they formulate a tonics there would be multiple ingredients so if you just drink coffee it's just one single ingredient but almost when you get a chai latte, you're actually pretty close to a tonic. Mm. Like you have a coffee, which is the main herb. And then you have try to have these, you're kind of lacking a supporting herb, which is good if you would add adaptogens or mushrooms to it. But then you still have those. Can you define adaptogen for people listening? Oh, so um, yeah, it's kind of a buzzword. So it's a, there's about 10 to 20 herbs or mushrooms in the world that 
help your body to adapt to stress. So they help you physically perform better in sports or think smarter or uh, reduce stress. But they're not a stimulant and they're not a sedative. So you can have the same herb in the morning and the evening and it's going to help you have more energy but also sleep deeper, which is sometimes difficult to understand. Kind of gets you where you're at. Yeah, and the, so ginseng would be the one that people probably know the best, and maybe maca, for ashwagandha. ashwagandha, maybe tulsi. Those are the things that people might be familiar with, and then people who are more into the industry might know shisandras and and cordyceps of the world. Um, but um, but as a coffee, if you have a coffee, and if you could even add an adaptogen, but generally, if you just have a coffee, a chai latte, and then you have the chai spices, mm-hmm. chai spices are really good for your stomach. So generally, when you formulate a tonic, you would have something that apes with absorption. So that kind of helps with the absorption. Also having like an almond milk with the chai latte, also having fats, both break down the, um, the kind of bitter aspects of coffee, but they also help absorption in, in many cases. So actually, like people, some people are already a little bit familiar with tonics, even though they don't call those tonics. Yeah, cool. But for me, yes, like making various blends was a thing from from dandelion and nettle tea, those are probably like the more common ones. And that's what our family friend who was the famous herbalist did, was did these all kinds of, you know, uh, teas that don't actually have tea. Um, but I guess how Erwan in LA or, like that tonic bar thing is another level that doesn't exist in Finland still today. Like it's a lot more basic and simple than, yeah. than that. Can you talk about your tonic bar that for Sigmic? Oh, the shroom room? Yeah, the shroom room. Is yeah, it, we just, is it a tonic bar? Or do you guys have tonics? No, there? it's called the shroom room. Okay, shroom room. <laughs> <laughs> but do you have ton? Do you have tonics? Or we just, just serve free drinks. Yeah, oh, and we great. make whatever you want. Just come, come up and say that's what so you cool. want. So cool. It's all free. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's so cool. So um, at your one, they're like twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, we opened in August of this year. We opened shroom room in Venice Beach, California, on Abikini Boulevard. So cool. So Abikini is one of our favorite streets, and yeah, and best. and we uh, basically what we just want to do is build community, meet people. We have this beautiful yeah. community of hundred thousand plus people online, but it's always nice to connect in person, and also like show people. So like a thing that we're more and more into now is instead of just talking about the health benefits of mushrooms and adaptogens, it's also like showing how to use them in practice. Yeah, education. you know, hence why I did the cookbook. But also like the shroom room is like you can come over and we can show you how we did yeah. it and then you can try so this sample is a it. Really authentic, genuine marketing effort for the company then. Yeah, it's like it's it's just like because we're also employee owned, we don't really have we can do whatever we want. So right. we thought it was cool. Like that's the end of it. it is and so then we cool. sell mushroom pants, mushroom mugs. Which he's with I'm looking at right now and they look yeah. amazing. Uh, we sell, so we work with like local artists. So the mushroom pants are made by our friends Travis and Peyton in Venice Beach. And they make these ninja pants and we made a mushroom print once. So cool. And then we have our friend Erin makes like ceramic mugs in Venice Beach. So we make, she makes mugs with uh, mushrooms on them. And then we have um, indigenous people in Finland make these wooden mugs, and we have those there. And then we have our products, some like unique stuff, whatever. Obviously, you can also get our products there if you want to buy them, but it's more just like building community and showing people. That's great. But we also thought it would be fun. So at the end of the day, it was partly half of the decision making was just like, why not? I got so excited when I saw it on Instagram because there was the the like open and close sign said something like, 
it was, I loved it. I don't remember exactly what it was. You maybe know, but it was like, we're here in sometimes and we're not here other times. I don't know. Like it was just so Pretty much, chill yeah. and wonderful. Um, I mean, yeah, sometimes we're there and sometimes we're not. Like yeah. technically we're open every day, but sometimes we're not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like so that. it's because like we're, I mean, at the end of the day, we're, it's not, it's, uh, we're making loss with that. You know, obviously we're not selling and just like to hang out with people and, and whatnot, uh, give back to the community. But uh, at the same time, like sometimes we have other stuff to do. Yeah. So the company's really grown. When you started this in Finland, could you have ever imagined that it would be, was this your goal? Did you have this vision? Are you a really like someone who has a vision for how you want things to go? Or oh, for sure. Yeah, that? yeah. I mean, I was, I was gung-ho to change the world. But that being said, I had no clue how to, how get, how to get there. And in, anybody who's ever like climbed a big mountain and you first cut to the foothills of, of a mountain that is like four, five, six thousand me- you know meters high, and you're like looking at it, it's like there it is. But then you don't realize that the path there is like full of ups and downs and right. crevasses and 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 things. So obviously, I had no clue how it went, and like I'm blown away by the things we've already achieved. But at the same time, I ha- had this. I would call it naive belief that we can change the world. Yeah. So that did exist and we were like, you know, I'm you know, we'll have, you know, like a location where you can just get mushroom coffee. By the way, in New York that you can still you already get it. We we have these the best part that has probably happened that I couldn't foresee is people who've come to us and wanted to be part of the mushroom movement. You know, that's the best part. So they'd approached us, asked for like help and advice on how they can spread the word on mushrooms. And then we've been able to work with some of the amazing people. Like in New York City, ABC Home. Yeah. Like I would have never known ABC Home would sell mushrooms. I think one of the first food and beverage products ever that Urban Outfitters sold was our mushrooms. It's amazing. It was so, I was like, why are you selling us? And then there's, um, there's really cool like, even restaurants there's a Springbone Springbone has it and um, Jack Stirs Brew Coffee which is a really cute like small coffee chain in New York City and when you go there they will make you like a mushroom tonic so you actually can get what you what is it called? Jack Stirs people just call it Jack's okay and it's they are in like West Village Chelsea they have like I think they're in East Village as well they have multiple locations and and uh, but they're like a small, cute, up and coming, hipster esque, you know. Yeah. But they're really every time I've gone there, the staff is like the best. Oh, and then great. you can get the mushroom packets and mix them in your coffee, or you can mix them by themselves or whatever. And yeah, so definitely check those out. I want to get a little bit more into go back for people listening into the, the three types of mushrooms because I feel like we kind of glossed over it. So we've got culinary mushrooms which people are probably pretty familiar with yeah in the stores buy the kale and stuff they use them they're in their food and then we have the psychoactive mushrooms that Mm -hmm. people know about and maybe have tried and then we have medicinal mushrooms so and that's really what we're talking about here with four sigmatic so can you kind of give like a rundown of did I do that right? Yeah, you're good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, generally, fungi is a kingdom. So there is like a million yeah. other types of fungi in the world. For example, how do you create bread or blue cheese requires mm-hmm. a form of fungi. Mm-hmm. Kombucha requires a form of fungi. 
if you breathe, whenever time you breathe, you're breathing mushroom spores. So these three groups is not like all the world's mushrooms are not included in that. But that's just like what people are like kind of focused on is is your portobello mushroom, which is your culinary mushroom, or butter mushroom, or chanterelle, or um, boliti, or something like that, which are you know delicious for some people, not for everybody, but some people, and then they're kind of like a great meat substitute. They have some minerals, but then again, some people can't have them for their gut. So they're not for everybody. And then you have the psilocybin and the you know, psychedelic mushrooms that yeah. people are also excited about these days again. Um, and then you have these medicinal or functional mushrooms. Medicinal sometimes throws people off. They're like, is this medicine? <laughs> but they have a functional benefit. And these tend to be usually mushrooms that grow on trees. And those are the chaga, the reishi, the cordyceps, the oyster mushroom, the noki, the shiitake, the maitake, the turkey tail. The tremella, and not all of them, like cordyceps, doesn't grow on trees, but pretty much all the others do. So, okay, a couple questions there. Do you want to maybe give like a couple highlights of if you had to highlight, or which one do you feel like highlighting today for listeners? Like, what's a really good entry point to mushrooms? Maybe like a tonic people could start with if they wanted to use one of the coffee ones, yeah. or you know, specifically for women. I heard you speak about how women are really drawn to chocolate and why could you talk about that and maybe like a a tonic for women listening to so when i lived in france they told me always like give three options that's like a healthy balance that's okay so i'm gonna go with that so when in doubt always go with rishi so r-e-i-s-h-i it's a japanese name probably the most studied of all mushrooms it's um and I think it's it's called the queen of the mushrooms. So it's I think it's very good for women. I mean, it's my favorite as well, but very good for women. Um, just like the other mushrooms can help with gut health, um, um, blood sugar can help with uh, immunity. But I think its special skill is like how it works your endocrine system and it kind of calms your body. So it's kind of called the chill pill of all of, of all the mushrooms. Yeah. So it's more like an evening mushroom or when you're highly stressed. And uh, so it's like the grounding, calming mushroom. So I, th- I, I definitely like that in the afternoon or evenings or when you're on vacation and you just want to relax. So maybe instead of red wine or with red wine, yeah. <laughs> have a Rishi hot cocoa. And that's, that's a great one. And again, especially for like stress reduction. And if you want to pair it with other things, my favorite adaptogen to go with the Rishi mushroom is probably ashwagandha. It's like another extremely well studied mushroom for like stress reduction so those are those are the evening time slash stress adaptogens and then um the other thing that i think worth highlighting is the king um just to keep it balanced and it's chaga c-h-a-g-a and again extremely well studied mushroom and why i say it's great for women is that it's it's one of the better skin mushrooms so um one full cup of for example our chaga elixir is like 30 pounds of carrots and antioxidants wow. so it is, it's um, extremely high in especially this super dismutase and melanin so how can you like skin is your biggest organ but the kind of last place to get nutrients how can yeah. you nurture your skin we talked about TCM how when you go to an acupuncturist or a traditional Chinese medicine doctor they look at your skin right. and they see uh, oh you got liver issues from your skin yeah. at first it's like creepy you're like you did not know that like but then they're also like sometimes so accurate. You're like, whoa. Yeah. But skin does kind of tell a story because it's 
last place to get nutrients and the first barrier against pathogens. So I think skin quality is, 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 is a thing for sure. And uh, Jaga is pretty great for that. Also, if you travel, you know, just those antioxidant properties are pretty amazing if you travel a lot or if you're on the go a lot. And, and that's probably the best mushroom with coffee as well. So if, you, if you're a coffee drinker, Finnish people drink more coffee than anybody else in the world would drink almost like three times more than Americans yeah. and you know adding chaga to the coffee is kind of our best hacks so yeah so that's one and then I would actually raise kind of a, a little bit of random mushroom but another kind of beauty mushroom um, that being said this is not the most available mushroom as of yet but you, you can get it if you go to the incredible world of Google and online Tremella does for Zygmatic have a Tremella? we have it in a couple blends and I'm actually working on a new blend for like, you know, hydration and cool. skin. Um, so T-R-E-M-E-L-L-A. And it's like a spongy jelly mushroom. Super delicious. Nice. But also like has these polysaccharides that hold water like multiple times their weight. So they're really like whole. So like it's good to understand that water that you drink is not the same water as in your cells. And there's, uh, for example, Dr. Pollock has this concept of easy water, E-Z water, and just understanding how not all uh, all water is created equal. Um, and, um, for example, the boiling point of water is not always 2 to 212, which is kind of crazy. It's that, like, how can water boil in slightly different temperatures? But the water can hold a certain negative or positive charge and and other things like that. Nevertheless, so why cucumber celery juice is so great is that it has good water. So it's not like drinking a glass of water doesn't equal to a cucumber celery juice. Like I'm not the biggest like juice person, but like that's a really good juice. It really hydrates you well. So eating cucumber or cucumber juice. So tremella is also another great way of hydrating. Yeah. So that's a little bit random, but Rishi and Chaga are good ones to start out with. Okay, cool. I feel like I've hit most of the, I want to ask you the questions I ask everyone, but I feel like I've hit, I'm like putting coins in the tarot juice box and I feel like I've hit most of them. But one thing we kind of went over quickly is the piece about supplements and how you were opening up the the tablets and putting yeah. them in your smoothies and how with Four Sigmatic, you really wanted to create, you know, you think it's important that people actually are tasting their you know nutritional things that they're adding to their body to actually absorb the the benefits you're not wasting money and remembering to take them I know for me I have like so many supplements that I just forget to take or take every six days when I feel like it so with this when it's actually fun it's a whole different experience can you talk about that a little bit well yeah I, I hopefully our company is and will always be like scientifically valid but then there's a few things that we can prove but that we believe in and one of them is that like tasting thing anything any food tasting it first actually makes it more bioavailable your body gets ready to absorb it again this might be not the case but this is what we believe in yeah and um makes sense i mean you do what we do know is that when you chew food or you have food in your mouth or a beverage it does increase like serotonin so like feel good neurotransmitters and we also know that like it does like produce saliva helps with enzymes and digesting things your body like produces saliva gets ready to absorb it it's more fun but the big thing is definitely the compliance is like i meet like i'm so into the health industry and i'm so like i feel like i'm super disciplined but still i forget to take so many things that i have right 
So um, just I think a lot of people know they should take something, but they don't. And I think having 15 capsules a day that you have to take doesn't make it any easier. So just trying to like make it as easy and fun and enjoyable as we can so that people will actually benefit from it. So it doesn't matter how good our product is if nobody takes it. Yeah, and that's what I love about, you know, we were talking about earlier about it really being for everyone. Like not everyone in the world has to have superfoods or has to have tonics or has to have any of these things. But looking at it is this is a great fun addition that, like you said, it's not going to kill all the world's problems, but it's something that can be really amazing and can be really great. And if you look at it, from that perspective, and I, the thing you said at the very beginning of, you're so inclusive with this brand, and that's something that I think is really important because wellness can be this almost a class system now, and there can be division totally. in this. Oh, and I think so much it, division! It's really important that you know we all are so connected, and that's something that you know the brand is pretty androgynous, and you. I think there's even, maybe not brands that are your competitors, but I think, you know, more marketed in a way that's for women or more magical or more, um, you know, focused in that way. And you have products even for women, but I think the brand just feels, it feels very inclusive and it feels very fun. And that, I think that energy kind of stems from you as the founder. Do you see what I'm trying to say? No, I just, I'm saying we need to hire her now. (laughs) <laughs> sure done we'll talk about that after um anyway yeah i just i think you're you're great and you're doing thank so you things. so when did you know you wanted to write a book and that that was part of how you share this message well, i actually um i think the first person who talked to me about it was megan telpner she kind of helped us yeah, get to canada. canada yeah and she was already saying like you need to get people the culinary side like they need to figure out that so we were so focused on just the health benefits and like why mushrooms mm-hmm. which I think is still the most important question you should ask is like why mushrooms but then pretty quickly you have to ask like how how are you going to use them and when are you going to use them and I think we've you know not focused as much on that and she was pushing me as like after the cookbook and then a million other people after and it was really this cookbook theme was like a theme how long ago was this um I think she talked to me I say like 2013. Oh wow! So this has been a seed. What? Yeah, for a and then while. Um, 2015 started talking to publishers. Ended up going with Avery, which is like an imprint with Penguin Random House. Got a really amazing culinary editor, Pam Krause, has done a lot of books for a lot of amazing chefs, and um, yeah, I guess that's it and just like figuring out what are the mushrooms to focus on and so the the book is called healing mushrooms and it has the top 10 most uh scientifically studied and easily available mushrooms some of them are familiar like shiitake and oki and oyster mushroom and then there's these exotic ones like cordyceps and tremella and maybe turkey tail yeah and just teaching people how to use them in you know desserts and cocktails and so cool. and savory foods and so it's a cookbook with recipes correct there's 50 recipes in it Very it's predominantly cool. a cookbook but at the same time it has information on the top 10 mushrooms so even if you don't know anything about mushrooms you're also going to get the answer for why Very mushrooms cool. but it's it's focused a lot on like how to apply them from mushroom ice cream to mushroom ice cubes no to way. mushroom bacon to you know various other things so it's cool. just like i want to like go it's right over there and i want to like 
end this and go read it. <laughs> yeah, but the point is like, um, um, we just wanted to showcase like the diversity how you can use mushrooms as in, in mm-hmm. as many ways as we can. And instead of making 50 tonic recipes, which is, I mean, I would love to do 50 tonic recipes, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but uh, I wanted to show is like, hey, you can use it in so many other ways, like a cheesecake. Right. And you can make a functional cheesecake. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Kind of going back to what we were talking about before about, you know, making it it fun, making it bioavailable in different ways than just one way. Yeah. So what was the process of writing the book like for you? Um... Well, as a first time like published author, there was like a lot of learning things. But at the at the end of the day, the actual core of the book came out in like a month. Mm-hmm. Like that was not hard because it's like 10 years of thinking about it. Yeah. And I've given enough many speeches and talks and right. explained it to so many people like it just it came just, out. Totally. But, uh, I mean, that editing was like six months of... It's also like English as your third or fourth language or whatever. It's like there's so much editing went on with that. And then working with the pick publisher is great. But it's also like they like their quality standards obviously and should be so high so they took it took a while and so that was that took a while and then once it's all done it still takes like almost a year to be printed and come out so it was like there was a lot of learning in it yeah and yeah i mean from start to finish it took over two years it's such an interesting experience with the publishing world because I now you're about to be in the launch and the promotion of it yeah and you're talking about this thing you started two three years ago and you almost feel kind of distant from it and here's a funny story is like so the pre-sale started um in like early september and like a couple hours it became like an amazon bestseller and all my friends are hitting me up like amazing like amazing and i'm like like for me the book was done a year ago yeah it's such a it's an interesting thing. I you have to like talking you, about like, it. I was celebrating it a year ago, but I couldn't talk to anybody yeah, about it. I I had that same thing happen where the day I because you know like you first submit a draft and yeah. you feel great because you're like balls in their court. Like I can't yeah. do anything until they get back to me with the edits, and then you come back with the edits, and I remember like getting my first round of edits and wanting to just crawl under my desk and like cry because it was like there's so much that needs to be and I like agreed with all of them and wanted to make them but I was just kind of like my editors made, can you just like do it for me but it was all like write it more in your voice here do like I had to make them of but course. it was just so much work so then that I finished and got back to them and then after all the rounds of edits nothing happened like you fit you feel so good but like exactly. no one can read it and there's I'm, nothing like no confetti and yeah, there's just like yeah, I felt amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting experience. I think it's gonna hit me though later, like how it like it will go on a second second wind later. But I just remember that moment when everybody else was hype, and I was like, I was hype a while ago. But yeah. yeah, I was there alone. But it's a funny process, and but what I hopefully was able to create was something that will be like evergreen. Yeah. And that's why I was like, I think even the nutrition part and the health part, we're constantly learning. Like, even the time of the book when I started it, there was knowledge that mushrooms are like 1.2 billion years old, and now we know they're like 2.4 billion years ago. So like the science constantly keeps learning, and like even the time that I was working on the book, so much new stuff on gut health, mushrooms for the gut, came out. So actually, like in a way, that science part like we'll slowly it's not going to be wrong but we'll be like updated, updated yeah. all the time but that's why i love making a cookbook is like you can cook 
yeah. you know, this is hopefully going to last 100 years. These recipes yeah. are, you know, there for there for, for, for a while. So hopefully it becomes an evergreen. And it's really the world's first book on these functional mushrooms. Nobody's really written a book, definitely not a cookbook, but even, even an information book about these top mushrooms yeah. in such a way. So. That's so exciting. So something I always ask people about on the podcast, getting to my questions that I ask everyone, sure. is about writing and about journaling. And if journaling, because that's what my book is about, yep. is something that's ever something that you do that's cathartic to you, that you know this process of writing a book probably was maybe part of that. But do you feel, are you someone who writes for yourself? So I'm closing on 10 years of writing my own gratitude journal. Mm -hmm. So I got it from an old Finnish man to write um, three things you're grateful for before going to bed every day, every day. And the key that is like different from a normal gratitude book is that every day of the year has one page. So once I write tonight what I'm grateful for today i see what i was grateful a year ago oh, that's two so years cool. ago three years ago four years ago that's really cool. so i'm closing on 10 years of doing that really every night and the the magic there is while i do believe in like journaling and writing what you're grateful for for me the real magic is like how much you forget stuff that you used to be grateful for and then you're like eh, whatever so it like yeah. brings back previous things you were grateful for so it's like a multiplier. That's and you really cool. you also, and, and this just might be me, so I don't know how much will you or others listening relate, but I'm, I'm really like strict on myself. Like I'm sometimes like really hard on like, I gotta yeah. do better. And New York City is like that as well. Like yeah. no matter how much you work, you feel like you should have done more. Totally. And, but you do, like you often, on a one year time frame, you think you've not done enough, but in a five year time frame, you've done so much. Right. So for me, just even going two, three years back shows me like, oh my God, I've grown so much as a human being. Yeah. Like the mushroom mission has grown so much and there's so much to be grateful for. So yeah. if today didn't go like as I would have fully wanted, like this improvement has been drastic. Mm-hmm. It's been like giant leaps and that's what been really helpful. But um, that's kind of, I've tried other types of journaling, but I've... I, I found that to be something I can be consistent with. Mm-hmm. Like I have my holiday journaling and like all that like, but it's hard for me to sit down and I know I should and probably I'm trying, but like I've just found it consistently hard to journal in a busy life on a regular basis in another way. Yeah. But I found this to be like, I have no excuse to sit down for, sometimes it takes me 25 minutes to come up with three things. Those are the bad days. Right when one of your grateful things is you got catch the subway on time. (laughs) But then other days it takes me literally like 15 seconds. You're like, I know exactly three things I'm grateful for. Uh, And then I just spend another few minutes reading previous years. That's really cool that you can. So what is this special journal? Do they sell them everywhere? Yeah. And so the, the book I got is like, it was from Finland. It was, it's five years at a time. Very cool. And, but I started with a normal, before I found this book, I just started with uh, a normal, big um, yeah. notebook, and I just put it the day, and I just, because it's big enough page, is you just leave enough space for like five years or three years right. or whatever. So that stinks kind of on the fifth year, you won't have the, you'll be starting fresh and you won't Correct. If that's the, a little, if in that book, it's kind of a bummer uh, that way, but uh, you could, if you just have... 
you write small enough and you have yeah. a, you could probably get 10 years right. in one but I feel like the second year it's already like paying off so much dividends right. it's the first year it's just normal journaling but then it like really kicks in I do something somewhat similar so in the, the book my book that I just gave you there's a it's 55 journaling exercises mm-hmm. essentially recipes but the one of them is it's called like the gratitude tool to end all gratitude tools because there's like a bunch of yeah. different, one, different processes and one of the things that I do is sort of similar in the nostalgia way where I wrote down the three things I was grateful for every evening and then every Thanksgiving here I had this little like ritual with myself where I would go through and read all of them for that Beautiful. year yeah. so same sort of thing it's like you really see through the year and, and I keep all of those so when I was moving I went back and read some of them and it was like it's kind of like seeing a child that you haven't seen in a yeah. long time. They spring up. We don't if we, we see our, we yep. see ourselves every day, so we don't see our growth like for that. sure. And I think some people, I think actually a lot of people do it when the year is changing. It's like yeah. uh, New time of time, time of like exactly yeah thinking of the past year starting a new year. Right. But I feel like it's probably a little healthier to do it more often than just once a year. Yeah, like few times a year just getting back to and looking taking a step back and saying like yeah i'm actually doing pretty well i think that's really important too because i'm like you i'm very disciplined so i also am hard on myself and i think there's some days where i have to before i go to bed kind of train myself to think of what went well that day rather than what didn't go well that day so i say i do the, the same thing as you writing down gratitudes but i also write down three things that went well that day and three things I'm excited about the next day so oh, I can actually yeah. get out of bed yeah. on days where it's hard to do that. Um, and I think as someone who's like has a tendency for melancholy, it this really kind of reformulates the brain in a way that helps me so much. You know, I, I, I just believe in, and um, I, I guess this is more like Greek philosophy originally, but then like Stoic philosophy followed is like, your thoughts become your actions, your actions become yeah. your habits, the habits become you. Yeah. And like those small things just add up and I'm a firm believer in, in just like feeding the right nutrients that way as well. Yeah. Um, so huge believer in habits. Have you always been into philosophy in that way and then thinking about, you know, our thoughts becoming things? How did you get into that sort of thing? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, my brother is, like, really smart, and I think he was, like, wondering about world wars and others when he was, like, five or something. So I think he's even a deeper... What's the thi- age difference between you? Three and a half years. Okay, so, he's, so you're pretty close in age. Yeah, but he's a, he's a bit older than me, and I think that's one. And then just generally, I, I think just been Especially traveling and... Uh, traveling and seeing other cultures, you make you think, like, why do we do what we do? And, mm. and there's been a few, like, key moments in my life when that's been even more true but definitely pondering like like philosophy and I think if you could only study one thing that probably would be philosophy in its own way do you feel like your personal philosophy has impacted what you've created in your business 100 million percent yes for sure like we're a very quirky company like we like oh we're fully distributed so even though we have an office in LA like even ILA people don't go to the office like we don't want them to go to the office that's great we want to like meet and hang and spend time together do a photo shoot or something like that we're always like hungry for hand models we have an unlimited need for hand models taking photos of oh, mushrooms my, my and cups my are bad right now uh, yeah um, 
anyway so we like to spend time together but we're not like believers in office like in flexibility and freedom and growth and there's a lot of stuff that we do for better or for worse are because of like partly my life philosophy but also the, the team in general just like what do we want like instead of thinking like how do other people's do things we actually build this warm principle where uh, every so w a r m all represent a different part of our life philosophy and the w is where us not them so if somebody does something that should never be a sole argument for us to do it love that okay so then we have to ask is there another reason why we would do that like should we do that because it actually makes sense or are we just doing it because everybody else is doing it right I think so, everyone in life should ask themselves. Yeah, that probably. But um, yeah, that's um, definitely how I think yeah. impacts the company. But at the same time, I've noticed like as we're we're now sixteen full time, I think, wow. plus, uh, and then we have like hundred brokers and contractors and all these. But like, the more we grow, it becomes like everybody adds into that culture, yeah. and then that really impacts who we are as well. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you just a million more things. Sure. You're going to have to come back on the podcast because I, I have copious <laughs> notes of like a million things I could do. But I we'll do a round two. We have to, yeah, we, I have to ask you things to ask everyone. So, sure. Okay, we'll do these as kind of quick fire. Okay. Okay, I'll warn you. They start off easier and they get harder. Okay. So I warm you up a little bit. Okay. Say the first thing that comes to your mind. So, favorite color? Um... The blue or green that is of Mediterranean. Okay. <laughs> Favorite day of the week? Monday, because everybody hates Mondays. <laughs> I just, I don't, there's nothing wrong with any week or day, so I just want to support Mondays. Love it. Hour of the day? Um, 2 p.m. when I take my nap. After, oh, yeah, after being fasting, I work out, then I eat a big lunch, and then I take a nap on my nail mat. Oh, I love that. Okay, um, favorite part of your life right now? Uh, what do you mean part? What are you most grateful for right now? Um, seeing my mom in like a week. We're going to London on it. Mm-hmm. Watching Mamma Mia. That's her favorite musical. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's a great one. Does she like the movie with Meryl Streep? I think she wants to see it live. She's seen it now. This is the fourth country she's seeing it. Wow, that's like me with Rent. I saw it like a million times. Anyway, okay. I just I just love her at Mamma Mia. So. Aww. Do you guys get up at the end and do this thing along? <laughs> <laughs> um, she's a little shy, but she's as pumped as they come. That's amazing. Yeah, but she's a little shy. I love, I want to go, I'm going to probably like listen to Ab on the way home now. Good. Um, okay, favorite food, non-mushroom. Um, mango. Mm. Best thing you've eaten in the last week. Best thing I've eaten in the last week. Now it could be go to back to the gratitude journal and look at what I ate. Um, what did I eat that was like really delicious? I got to New York. You probably think of it like right when I leave. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is exactly why that journaling helps because you forget all the amazing stuff that happens. Yeah. That's I kind of use social media in that way where like especially with my Insta story it's kind of like a gratitude journal for my day where I'll watch my own story for at the sure. end of the day and be like I forgot that really great thing happened or that was a really beautiful moment or um 
Okay, well, while you're pondering... I had a uh, really good um, avocado and poached eggs. Oh, yeah. Where? It's it's so simple. It's actually New York. And I was running, and I was like, I needed the place. So it was actually downstairs, Irving Place. Amazing. <laughs> the most simple meal. But it was delicious, yes. Okay, if this is so hard for you, I know it's going to be hard, but favorite mushroom, if you had to choose one? Um, goes in phases, but at the end of the day, I feel like I need uh, reishi, you know, just like relaxing. I think that's probably it, but goes in phases. What's one thing you wish more people knew about wellness? Um, there's so many things that I think people know I think people already know everything they need to know it's just like they forget it or it's too simple but I guess um, I like this concept of nitty nitty which is Sanskrit not this not that so what works for me might not work for you and then what works for you when you're 20 might not work for you when you're 30 but also what might work for you when it's winter and it's freezing outside might not work for you when it's summer so just understanding seasonality by an individuality and just like listening to your body over like essentially what I'm saying also is that no one single diet will work yes, for everyone preach. all the time yes. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. nitty nitty that, that was a big thing for me and when I started this when we met three years ago or four years ago when I started the podcast it was essentially me learning that lesson for myself I would interview people and I would ask I'd be like okay I would look at something like Philippa or you and I'd be like well, they're really happy and they're really great. I'll just eat what they eat or do exactly what they yeah. eat or do do what they do. And what I learned is that there are so many different approaches to life and spirituality and wellness and relationships. And it's kind of like a buffet, you know, take a little bit of each and figure out what works for you diet wise and lifestyle wise. And that becomes your version of your best life. Correct. And I think it that's the danger, I think, in this culture of the rise of the health movement and social media at the same time is people just assume if it works for them, it will work for me, but we don't all live in the same place. And Anyway, you just yep. said that really well. Okay, which this kind of brings me to the next question I ask everyone, which I think will be interesting to get your perspective. So we talk about body image a lot in this podcast, and usually I'm speaking with women, but I would love your male perspective because I think it's something as humans we all deal with Mm -hmm. and being a public person and a person within wellness how do you handle body image and not letting it mentally negatively affect you I usually ask this in in a way of you know if you're having a moment with your body or the way you're looking physically in the world how do you shift out of that so that bad body image moment doesn't become a bad body image day or week what are some mental shifts you do um well I think there's like few things that are vital in order to be at peace with yourself with body image like one is that I think you a need to get comfortable in things you can change mm-hmm. and that just and and I think how you achieve that in own ways for me it was travel just seeing so many different types of bodies mm-hmm. and you know, when, when you're in Scandinavia and everybody's blonde, blue-eyed and tall. and, and then But once you get around the world and you just see different types of body types, and yeah. especially if you see different body types naked or half-naked, then it's like really like start to get comfortable. This is, this, is the, <laughs> this is the cards I was dealt with in good and bad. And these are, you know, um, this, is, this is who I am. But at the same time, the other part is that 
your body's like constantly changing and evolving yeah. and I think that's why just having um, taking responsibility of your body as well like obviously there's part that you can change like oh this is this is how I am um, I'm without something really gnarly synthetic surgery whatever but then it's also having responsibility is like it's like I am what I think but I'm also what I eat and how I'm as move and having responsibility with that and just observing that I think those are the two kind of high level things but on a more concrete level um, I just like taking it like projects like I just love projects like I love it's easier to commit to a project than sometimes like oh I am fat or I'm thin or I'm like I need to get fitter I need to get more muscle I need to get leaner or whatever whatever your thing is is I just want to like okay seven days I'm gonna try this mm-hmm. and that usually like helps me because I, I then the body image is also more temporary because you're working towards whatever you're working towards yeah I especially love what you said about travel because that's something I talk about that really helped me when I was in eating disorder yeah. treatment they told me about this thing called exposure therapy which is the only proven way to improve body image is to look at bodies your size or bigger yep. and you don't even have to like them you don't even have to like what you see but just simply because of the media and because of the world that we live in especially with social media we see people who are this ideal idealized version of the standard of beauty that happens to be in our culture today which includes thinness, where 100 years ago it didn't, and other cultures it didn't, but that's what we see all day long. So actually Correct, yeah. looking at different things, and you said that in, in a way of travel, which I haven't thought of it before, is really interesting, instead of just images of it. So I love that. So speaking of another thing I, I ask everyone, and this usually relates to women, but we always talk about feminism on the podcast a little bit so as a CEO and someone in this position I would love to know you know where are you with feminism and how you act your feminism in your life today so I think that's actually a good kind of a full circle on like you asked me what are the differences between Scandinavia Finland and US like we've had most of my life we had like a US president or uh, in Finland a female president or female prime minister and um like even in the wartime, the most celebrated people were the, the women who took care of us like when we had war or whatever. And uh, I feel like there's a pretty big difference how women's roles are different in Finland versus how they are in the US or some other cultures. So, and I'm also lucky enough that uh, even though my parents have been happily married, you know, I think over 40 years now, but uh, like I was mostly brought up by my mom and like I had a strong female character in my life and she would often say for example is that she will never vote for a woman she will vote for the best human being mm-hmm. and like she taught me a lot of this stuff is like even though there might be in certain tasks when you're at a farm like women can lift stuff like it's just the fact that it would be me my brother and my dad lifting stuff right. and there would be like somewhat natural divisions of of tasks Mm -hmm. it's like a very much like a one unit and who is the best person to do stuff so um for me like i want to embrace females like because i feel like females are men are such an inferior gender in so many ways and women are so much smarter in so many ways at the same time i feel like whenever to the exclusive part of or inclusive part of four sigmatic as well as like whenever you put two camps 
you bring two opposing forces versus understanding that there's like you know femininity in myself and then there's masculinity in everyone like those are just it's like a dance of energies yeah. versus like two opposing forces and I understand that in a revolution you have to temporarily put like these forces right. against each other to create enough friction for change you have to first break it before you can rebuild it but I think the rebuilding comes from collaboration versus yeah. opposing forces so I don't know was that a good enough answer no, but that's that was my- great and I think having allies in both genders and like I, I assumed that that you were and you are obviously a male feminist and take these principles mm-hmm. and grew up with these principles and I think that there needs to be allies on both sides in every move, social yeah. movement. I just love debating the opposite, whatever everybody thinks. Like that's one of my favorite hobbies. It's like if somebody's really hardcore on A, I argue B, and if they're really hardcore on B, I argue A. I just love, I love the the conversation that creates in general. So yeah. Anyway. Okay. Another thing that this is my favorite question that I ask that I've asked since the beginning. Forty-seven. Number four. No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> no, what's that the question? Is the correct <laughs> um, okay, so morning routine. So, what are maybe the first three things you do when you wake up in the morning, or the first couple things, and how does that affect how the rest of your day goes? Uh, I do not have a routine, so my routine is I don't have a routine. I have themes, so I I rotate my diet, and my habits depending where I live, what season it is, what kind of day do I have. Um, but I would say. Probably the obvious one is you pee, you yeah. hydrate, and you stretch. And those are the kind of the fundamentals that like, I start my days with. And that stretching can come in many forms, sometimes shorter, sometimes longer. I uh, hydrate sometimes different ways than others. But those are kind of the fundamentals how I start my day. And then otherwise it's daylight, fresh air, and then... Um, I don't do like a morning meditation or I don't set goals or anything like that. It's more like just connecting with myself and where my body feels that day. But yeah, those are some of the morning rituals. How do you handle stress, you know, as someone who's wearing a lot of hats, writing a book, traveling, CEO of a company, you know, are you in therapy? Do you meditate? How do you handle stress? Um, Adaptogens. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I don't. Like oh, I don't feel stressed happen. often. It's very rare that I feel stressed. So how do you last week I was, like I'm, I, I would use the word annoyed more than I would use the word stressed. I don't really get stressed, and um, you know I sometimes I'm happier than sometimes others, but really don't feel stressed. So if my flight is delayed, cancel, I don't feel stressed. If how some, do you do that then? How do you prevent? So I think it's probably like there's part personality, part also life experience when like. It's also like there's a benefit of going to tough times and I try to still incorporate that into my life like going to an ice bath or something like like running a marathon without training or putting myself in difficult situations where it just teaches you that when life shits on you you'll be still okay yeah um, or uh, when somebody chews you and you get chewed over and, and you, you'll survive that's one then adaptogens for sure good gut health um, you know, balanced blood sugar, those are the physical things. And then just generally being happy and maybe the grateful gratitude journal as well helps is like you have this like true north all the time like going. But it's like a combination of probably a lot of stuff. I don't really, really, really don't get stressed. That's great. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Greatest lesson on relationships. Um 
I think building a business is hard. I think um, staying healthy is hard. I think I think the one place where you find all your weaknesses very quickly is in a in a relationship. Like it just it just exposes you because you are exposed. Mm. So I think there's a lot of lessons there, and it's hard to say that what is the one, uh, you know, um, a one that comes to mind. But I, I can't, I'll just say a book. So okay. I'd say Anthony DeMello, who is, you know, an author from India who's not uh, who's dead now, wrote a book on awareness, and this is this concept of awareness, and I'm not even trying to explain it here in a in a in a rapid fire question, but just like I guess it's non attachment awareness mm-hmm. of yourself of relationships, what is love, or maybe what love is not. And those are that's probably my number one. So if if you're curious, just Google Anthony yeah. DeMello and and awareness, and that's kind of my one lesson of in relationships, and that goes for friendships as well. So not just romantic relationships. It's interesting. Relationships are just these mirrors that show us all these parts of ourselves. Exactly, and that's I guess that's that's what that book is a lot about as well. Is like what is reality and what's perception, and most things are just our own views of. It has nothing to do with the other person or the reality. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think Paulo Coelho has a more uh, positive thought on that on the book uh, 11 Minutes. It's like something is like love is already within us and we just need the other person to bring it out of us. And yeah. it, it, So that's why definitely Miro. And I think we all just, in, in life in general, we all just want to be seen. Mm. We all want to be heard and seen. I think that's why we even do relationships. We wouldn't if we didn't want that mirror to see ourselves and be seen by someone else. So. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, greatest lesson on family. Um, I think this is a um, recent one. I'm not sure if it's the greatest, but recent is just like your parents will get old and just seeing them old is kind of like, in a way, can be a little sad and scary. Yeah. But like it's happening and also and, mirrors. And, and, and yeah, and then just understanding like the time that you have with your family, just like appreciating it. Like when you're a kid you're like fighting and you're like and we had a really happy family, but still like you argue especially with my brother, like we would argue all the time. Like two brother like young kids playing soccer or something, like there was always yeah. fights. Yeah. And uh, as you grow older you kind of also learn to appreciate what you have and the time together so now every time I meet, we meet as a family we're like having the best time ever yeah. and I think that's huge but also comes from the I think what helps is the understanding that this is not forever mm. you know I think like death is actually like in a way a really happy thing yeah so well this is good for my next question greatest lesson on spirituality death what happens when we die what do you think happens when we die um my philosophic answer is none of it really matters like it's a it's a deeper thought yeah. but uh um i think like the duality thing is can be really like can make you really unhappy as well like temporarily can make you really ha- happy and then really sad later um it's just having this duality of life and death happy unhappy you know all these like opposing i think uh so i just like I guess that's one of the oldest dualities is death, life and death, and yeah. the fight of life and death. And I think just like getting rid of that has probably been the helpful thing for me as well. Mm. 
did you grow up with a spiritual practice or spiritual leaning? Not, not really. No, we uh, grew up uh, Lutheran, which is like um, a form of Christianity without the sizzle. So it's very like grounded. Um, Martin Luther, the European version, yeah. was just a guy who didn't believe that you should talk about faith or religion is something very personal and you make don't make a big number out of it and the churches are really like basic and well let me put it this way okay um going to the church the mosque the synagogue whatever it is and going there makes you as much religious i would use i mean i'm a little careful with that word but going to a church a synagogue a mosque makes you as much religious as going to the garage makes you a mechanic Mm. so like it is something that like it's very personalized what you have within it's not like what you do on the outside yeah maybe that maybe that's my answer yeah I like that okay greatest lesson on entrepreneurship slash what you would tell someone who wanted to saw a need wanted to start a company like you um there's so many lessons um and a lot of them I think are tactical but I think on a on a very high level is um first think why you're starting and then never forget (laughs) 1a is think why you're starting and then 1b is like remember why you started Mm. and that's i think that's kind of very very high level is people often think about like end result like i want to be acquired by google or i want to do this or that or whatever it's like no but like why do you really want to do this yeah because there will be like so many tough times and challenges and and you just kind of think like why you're starting and keep that answer yeah. with yourself obviously it's always un- okay to change as you you change right. and we're seeing that with our team as well like people becoming moms and dads and you know that like that changes you you know right. becoming a parent and getting older so like w- we are growing as a company as we're growing ourselves but at the same time like remember why you started mm-hmm. or really think at least why you started yeah okay greatest lesson or your thoughts and feelings on social media and how you handle your relationship with social media our phones being so connected never been on Facebook um, and still today not Um, I'm on Instagram I have like a private account and these are just to kind of frame that not the biggest user of that Mm-hmm. That being said, I probably lost a lot of like, or I'm not in touch with certain people who are, who were close to me and probably still would be close to me. But I've just decided that in order to say yes to certain things in life, I've had to say no. And I don't know, was it Gandhi or Einstein who said is like, your life happiness can be defined by the things you gave up to get what you wanted the most. And in my case, I've given up a lot of time on I already look at the phone and the computer so much is like valuing in person relationships and that and in this case most people get like they get a little defensive because like I actually do believe that social media has caused a lot of the best things right now in the world and I am a huge believer in social media um just for me personally my closest relationships I'll rather deal with them on some other form predominantly that being said I do enjoy connecting through social media through our company when there's a um, there's like a theme and I enjoy that a lot so something there's one other tarot note that I wanted to hit that we didn't hit earlier that that speaks to social media and just like being so connected and kind of addicted to our phones is you were saying that 
you know, these we have more stressors now, we have more stimulation now, so that's kind of why adaptogens and these things like herbs and mushrooms are so important to where we are and now. I'm giving you somebody a business idea now. Somebody there is like hungry to work in health and wellness and start their own company. Here's a company I would be a customer for. Exclusive. Yeah, exclusive. Eye health. The amount of time we spend staring at these screens, computers, phones, yeah, um, is like I think we'll have so many degenerative eye health issues as a society as we go forward. Do mushrooms help with eyes? Some of them do, but just but I mean I would say is you would have to look into the world of berries mm. and some like freshwater seaweeds and um, algae. Um, but if somebody wants to create a all natural. You know, yeah. plant-based, organic. Maybe for Sigmatic could acquire them. Yeah, or yeah, or I'll happy to help. But I would be a customer for that. And I, I mean, I have my own routine, and I use various things for eye health in general already. But I have to like combine five things to get that. So I, if I could get it in one easy form, I would be a customer. So, um, yeah, that's staring at the screen of death yeah. is, is a big part of my life and uh, I just for health and, and we just have no idea the effects that these will have on us long term because they're too new no but I can already tell in short term is that it's not good for my eyes to look at it consistently for yeah. a long time so I try to obviously keep breaks and whatnot. but yeah just the eye health well, I n- never asked you how did the name for Sigmatic come it's like the geekiest story ever it's, it's not cool at all <laughs> Which is probably who Those we are. are. The best stories. Yeah, probably who we are as human beings as well is like somewhat geeky, not cool, um, but very unique. It just means that it's math, it's all math, and then just means that we focus on the 50 most researched foods in the world. Cool. Love that. Okay, so this is really, second to last question, really just a way for you to recommend things that you want to recommend. Sure. So pretend you're trapped on a deserted island yeah. and you can bring with you one movie, one book one TV show, one music or podcast something to listen to, um, and one food, what would you bring? Um, one TV show is um, the original Fusions of Ali G show with Borat. Oh, okay. Probably that would be, like, my thing. All right. The, the British version, the original. Okay. And then uh, one movie... Uh, it's tough tough I feel like what would I want to watch if I would be in a deserted island I I feel like uh, Monty Python Life of Brian no Seek of the Holy Grail okay and one food has to be something fatty I can't have too much coconut so I would say avocado probably maybe there's coconuts on the island yeah avocado is such a boring answer why did I say such a boring answer I feel like I gotta come with something. Okay, maybe for food, say like last meal. Like, what would you have? Uh, like that would probably be something I had an emotional connection with. Mm-hmm. Like, mom's salmon soup, mm. something like that. Um, salmon soup. That sounds good. Is that a Nordic thing? Oh, it's very Nordic. Sounds good. Such a such a thing. And then, what was the one? One music. What was it? Yeah, music podcast that you want to recommend that you like that. You want people to know about? Um, this is such a guy left brain answer, but I would choose some survival podcast or something. Yeah. Yeah, um, no Vitalis or something. No, <laughs> I, something else than that one, but like some like survival thing. 
show, uh, not Daniels, but somebody else, like just pure survival stuff. I think does Arthur Haynes who has one. He might be one. Arthur Haynes. He's actually friends of Daniel. And then, then uh, song. I don't know. This is the worst answer because it's not even my favorite song. And but it's just the first thing that came. The we built this city. Okay. <laughs> this okay. City. I don't know why that came to my head. We built this city. Rock and roll. Yeah. Anyway, that's right. the first answer cool. that came to mind. Um. Oh, and book. Book. I'll just go with uh, the one I mentioned before was um, Anthony DeMello Awareness. Do you want to recommend any other book other than your book? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe your Everyone book. Everyone check out Tara's book and let it out. Let it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say uh, Paul Arden, Whatever You Think, Think the Opposite. Mm. If you're interested in creativity, yeah, especially creativity and unique thoughts, and I think yeah, Paul Arden yeah, used to be like the first art director, Sachi and Sachi back in the day, and oh, cool. very unique thinker. Very cool. Okay, so first of all, thank you so much for doing this podcast. This has been great. Thanks for having me. Love to talk to you. So. The name of the show is Let It Out, as you know. Mm. So when I offer that to you to let it out, anything else I you wish I would have asked you, anything else you really want to talk about that you wish that everyone knew about you, did I really ring you dry for all of your wisdom? <laughs> anything you don't get to talk about that you want to talk about, this is the time. Uh, wool socks. Wool socks. One okay. of the most underrated things in the planet Earth is I need some good wool socks. socks. It's always... Um, I have always a couple pairs that I travel with, but wool socks. That's huge, a really good one. Huge. I think one of the most valuable things I can offer to listeners is if you have, if you don't have wool socks and you want to have those loose ones, you don't want to have too tight. Okay. You start to squeeze your, you know, like you want to have a little. You mean like at the ankle? Yeah, right? not good. Okay. They have to be loose, and um, you know, and and good wool. Really uh-huh. invest in good Where wool. Where do you so, buy these? Is this uh, another business idea? No, <laughs> maybe. But you want to have good wool. Um, merino is really good, but it's, it's itchy at first. It takes a while to kind of like get into. But like once you have good wool, you can use it when it's super warm um, outside, but also when it's super cold. Like good wool is like year-round thing. I need that because I'm, my feet are con- I'm constantly freezing. My feet are constantly freezing. And I'm going to need to invest in some good wool socks. Yeah, for that's, my that's my last thing. Let it out. Wool socks. This is amazing. Thank you so much. Everyone needs to check out Four Sigmatic. And get Tara's wool socks. Book. Get wool socks. Actually, if you... If Not you sponsored co- by wool yeah. socks, but open to it. But yes, send us your favorite wool socks. Okay. That would be great. I would just say get a collection of favorite wool socks. Amazing. And like favorite colors, styles, brands, and where to get them. I'm learning to knit this um, winter. My friend is teaching me, and maybe I'll make some wool socks. You should. You should. Um... Okay, one more thing. We always pick an emoji for the episode for people, and it was going to obviously be the mushroom, but I'm thinking maybe we make it the sock. Is there a sock emoji? We'll have to look into it. Do you have a favorite emoji other than the mushroom? It goes in phases. I think actually, if you want to get to know your friend or a new person, just share your most 
actively use emojis. Yeah. It tells you so yes. much about a human being. And then okay, you say, like, why did you use that? This. We I, should show each other after this. Yeah, okay, let's do that. Okay. Cool. Right. Yay. Thank you so much. Yeah. This was great. All right, there you have it. That was my episode with Taro. Before we get to the emoji for this episode, I want to one more time remind you of our sponsors, Coeur the subscription book service that really brings luxury to the medium of literature and reading and something that I love so much. And my friend Elizabeth is the founder, which is not why I love it, but happens to be a fact why I'm so excited and grateful about this company. And I think you guys will really love it. Again, her background is in contemporary art. So she has an artist create a custom print for each box. Everything is delivered with such attention to detail and beauty, which I really appreciate. And I think you guys do as well. This would be a great thing to give as a gift. The holidays, believe it or not, are already coming up. And I think gifting this to a reader in your life or someone you love would be really thoughtful and great. And if you want to get 20% off your order, actually 25% off your order, use the code LETITOUT25 at checkout. That's quarterlanebooks.com. Let it out 25 at checkout. Thank you so much, Elizabeth and Quarterlane, for helping to make this podcast happen and help me to be able to do it and keep it free for everyone. I appreciate you and your company so much. Also, thank you to Franklin and Whitman, my favorite skincare brand. I love them, you guys. I think they're so amazing. They're an all-natural, plant-based, preservative-free, cruelty-free skincare line. They have hair care. I love their hair serum. They have men's grooming products, which I don't love, but men love them. And actually, Chris started the company as a men's grooming product company with his beard oils. They even have pet products. And the thing that they're really proud of is their social mission, where they pledge to donate 5% of all sales to dog rescue organizations all over the country. So if you haven't tried them yet, grab a face mask, grab a skin serum. They're great. I love their body oil. And if you want 20% off, use the code Katie at checkout. That's K-A-T-I-E at checkout. Franklin and Whitman, I love your company. You're fantastic. All right. Thank you so much to Taro. Check out his book if you haven't already. Check out Four Sigmatic. I love them. I use their products every single day. And the emoji for this episode. Here's the thing, you guys. We talked about it perhaps being a sock. I just looked through my emojis and I don't see a sock. Honestly, I didn't look that carefully, so if there is a sock, please let me know. However, if not, let's just stick with the mushroom for this episode. So if you are still listening to me rambling right now at this very long episode, I really, really want to know. Tweet at me, Instagram comment at me, at tarot as well, at Four Sigmatic, follow them, and please show me the mushroom. I love you guys so much. I'm going to go now, but I will talk to you next week. Share this episode with a friend. Share it with a family member. Please leave a review on iTunes. That really supports the podcast and helps me out a ton. You can actually do it right on your telephone. You don't need to go to the computer. iTunes has made it easier in recent years. So leave a review on iTunes. Ask your friend to leave a review if they listen as well. And email me, you guys, if you want to say hi or tweet at me, whatever you want to do. Love you. Bye.